This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From about 15 years on up, a great deal of my thoughts were basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello, my name is Alyssa Carroll, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we sometimes veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to some of my patrons as always, Katarina, Rachel, Whitney, Pixie, Maya, Alethea, Elena, Aaron, Katorez, Catherine, Sam, Linda, Janice, Katarina, Teresa, Sarah, Sophie, Nanette, my dearest two Emmas, Emily, Gabrielle, Galen, Cassandra, Bree, David, John, and my spicy girl, Judy. Thank you so much. You guys are so truly appreciated. And for everyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that I can bring you more of what you crave. Now, I know it's been a while, and I am so humbled by everyone's care and concern for me while I was battling COVID pneumonia. It quickly became loud and clear just how much you guys actually care, and I just want you to know that I saw every message, every comment, and it did make me fight that much harder. You might be able to hear me be a little out of breath this evening, but trust me, I am doing so much better. Thank you to every single one of you. Thanks for your patience, your love, and loyalty. It did not go unnoticed. So... Without further ado, let's get into the story. So today's podcast will be on David and Louise Turpin. Since both were born in the 60s, let's just touch on some of what was going on in the world at the time to get some context as to the world that they were born into. In the early 60s, the Cold War was beginning to rage as the USSR began detonating very large bombs during testing and then masterminded the building of the Berlin Wall, thus separating East from West Berlin and Germany. To make matters worse, Americans financed the anti-Fidel Castro Cubans for an invasion at the Bay of Pigs, the outcome of which was a complete disaster. Also in the early 60s, the Soviets put the first man in space, Yuri Gagarin, with the U.S. putting their first man in space, one month later, President John F. Kennedy asked Congress for $531 million to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. And speaking of President Kennedy, during this time, Marilyn Monroe famously sang happy birthday to him. Mr. President, 
the late Marilyn Monroe. was described as intimate, sultry, and a little too familiar, if you know what I mean. The figure-hugging beaded dress was, at that time, considered quite scandalous, and this fueled the fires of the rumors that they were having an affair. Three months after she sang to him, she was found dead of a drug overdose, ruled a, let's say, that she unalived herself. The first African-American student, James Meredith, enrolled at the University of Mississippi. He was an Army veteran and had made several prior attempts to enroll at the university, but was denied entry and apparently forced away by the then governor. He was successfully escorted by United States Marshals from direct orders from President Kennedy. He went on to be a fearless pioneer of the civil rights movement and completed his degree in 1963. The first Walmart was opened by Sam Walton not too far from me in Bentonville, Arkansas in the early 60s, as was the first Motel 6. The first Kmart was also opened in Garden City, Michigan. The first oral polio vaccine was developed by Albert Sabin to be given to millions of children to combat polio. And then, one year after Marilyn Monroe, quote, unalived herself, President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas by Lee Harvey Oswald. Then, of course, Oswald was shot and killed by a man named Jack Ruby. And there are a lot of conspiracies around this murder. The infamous Alcatraz Penitentiary was closed. The USSR put the first woman in space, and we also see the early years of Beatlemania, referring to the musical group, the Beatles. And then finally, between their years of birth, Albert DeSalvo, also known as the Boston Strangler, was captured and believed to have murdered about 13 people. So this was the atmosphere that David and Louise were born into. David Allen Turpin was born on October 17, 1961, in Princeton, West Virginia, to parents James and Betty Turpin. He also has a brother named Randy. There seems to be rather scarce information on David's early life. 
His parents raised him in a very strictly religious household, all based on his grandfather's beliefs. He was described as very, quote, nerdy, highly intelligent, but he mostly kept to himself. He attended Princeton High School and also unwaveringly attended church at the Princeton Church of God. So what's that church about? I visited their official Facebook page that says, quote, we exist to meet the needs of people, end quote. They have thousands of likes, tens of thousands of people who checked in at their facility, phone number listed, and their official website is displayed publicly. Scrolling through their content for just a quick visual shows what appears to be, at least outwardly, a normal church environment. There are quotes from the Christian Bible that seem to be in appropriate context. A large stage where it appears they have large demonstrations to sort of ooh and awe their audience and they have live music. All seems pretty normal for at least this day and age. But when you peel back the layers, you begin to see some differences between compared to the more common ones such as Baptist or Methodist. The Church of God tends to be more conservative, being known to lash out at alternative lifestyles. They believe that the Church of God is the only biblical name for a church and was given by God himself. They have a strange mixture of the Jehovah's Witness beliefs, Mormonism-ish, and apocalyptic fear, and this particular church is reportedly categorized as a cult and therefore should be avoided. The Church of God mentions often that they are the true Church of God and stands apart from this religious Babylon, quote-unquote, meaning all other Christian denominations. They bring up on their website the errors and false teachings of mainstream Christianity as well as most ministers. They state that the law of God given to the Israelites is binding on New Testament Christians as well, and that the American and the British Christians are the lost tribes of Israel, meaning the Jewish feast days, dietary laws, and the Ten Commandments are still binding if you want to be on the path to salvation. To be sure, they do not celebrate holidays, Christmas, or any other holidays, and heavily believe that the Sabbath is the only proper day to worship. They forbid their members from taking part in politics, juries, voting, and military service. They do, however, speak in tongues, which they believe is evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit and shows that they are receiving legit prophecy. It has been erected. Let it come down. Let it be burned by the fire of God right now in the name of Jesus. Let every... They are expected to abstain from all alcohol, tobacco, and any recreational drugs. Jewelry and makeup are to be worn in extreme moderation. Now, they do not believe in the immortality of the soul and spirit, but rather the, quote, earthly kingdom of God and the physical resurrection of the dead, or in other words, zombies. <laughs> 
and a person who dies does not go to heaven. Instead, they sort of just wait in the ground until it's time for resurrection. Hell to them is a brief punishment after the resurrection, and people who still refuse to repent are forever annihilated. But David's church was also Pentecostal, so the women are only allowed to wear long dresses for fear of, quote, immodestly revealing the feminine contours of the upper leg, thigh, and hips, end quote. They aren't allowed to cut their hair, and we see a huge emphasis on no makeup. Miracles are allegedly performed in Pentecostal churches as well, such as divine healing and divine gifts. And then let's not forget that they use poisonous snakes to show their faith, which of course gets them bit, and some have died from this practice. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. This is the faith that David was raised under, but he did go on to college and he graduated from Virginia Tech. Now, Louise Ann Robinette was born on May 24, 1968. Her parents were Reverend Allen and Phyllis Robinette. That's right, her father was a preacher, though his obituary left him with glowing reviews. Phyllis had Louise, her first child, when she was 18 years old. She herself was born there and died right there in Princeton, West Virginia. Now, Alan and Phyllis were divorced at some point, but I didn't find exactly when, which leads me to some rather disturbing information. I am guessing that they divorced while the children, Louise, of course, who was the oldest, sister Teresa, another sister Elizabeth, who was eight years younger than Louise, and a brother Billy, who I believe did not have the same last name as the girls, but don't hold me to that, but while the children were small. It could be that Billy has a different father entirely, but it really is immaterial. One of this family's darkest secrets could be why the divorce happened or was a consequence of the divorce. Either way, disclaimer, disclaimer. Phyllis's father was a pedo. Phyllis had spent her childhood with a father who repeatedly assaulted her, and then she grew up to, get this, sell her own children into those types of services to her father, the very man that had done it to her. In fact, Louise's sister Elizabeth told Dr. Phil that their mother regularly took them to their grandfather's house and he would give their mother money in exchange for time with the girls, if you know what I mean. It was also said that Phyllis quote, rented Louise out to other pedo men while she was still just a young girl. Her excuse? She told the girls that she simply needed the money to be able to pay the bills. Louise's next younger sister, Teresa, speaking exclusively to the son, stated she and Louise were themselves victims of systematic abuse as children. She alleged their mother not only knew about it, but also masterminded it. The other sister, Teresa, said, quote, Our mom should have been protecting us, but she sold us to a wealthy pedo. We begged her not to take us to him, but she would simply say, I have to clothe and feed you. 
Louise was abused the worst. He destroyed my self-worth as a child, and I know he destroyed hers too. End quote. And that's how it is. I mean, I don't like saying it like that. It breaks my heart. But it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's what it is. He was taking it out on his granddaughters. Uh, that's almost unbelievable. <laughs> what people don't realize is, you know, like, they, they, I, is his house of horrors? Like, that's where it all began. Sister Elizabeth, eight years younger than Louise, stated that when the girls would be forced to go visit their grandfather, if he wanted to give Elizabeth a hug or have any level of physical contact, Louise would push her out of the way or otherwise distract him herself to try to save her sister from any of the abuse. It wasn't always successful, but the attempt to save her sister was there. Life at home was very strict. Just as their faith and church dictated, they were not allowed to watch television and were fairly cut off from their peers and society. As they were older, they were not allowed to date as well. And then I found something rather interesting. Both David and Louise's families also adhere to the teachings of the Quiverful Movement. Now, does that ring a bell? So the fundamentalist quiverful movement is kind of a part of the Pentecostal faith and is also followed by none other than the Duggar family, which I'm sure you've all heard of recently. What with this family's oldest son, Josh, being a disgusting pedo who was busted with the most horrific kind of foul and torturous crap on his computer that one particularly seasoned FBI agent described as the worst he'd ever seen. As you all know, I have to be careful what words I use, but I know you know what I'm talking about. So these people believe that large families are blessings from God, and they encourage procreation, abstaining from all forms of birth control, which includes natural family planning, such as, well, let's say quitting before the finish line. This belief system is deeply patriarchal, meaning women must obey the orders of men at all times and highly authoritarian when it comes to gender and culture. This way of life is newer than Scientology, if you can believe it, and has mostly spread through homeschooling and networking with other like-minded Christians and has a definitively cult following. It all boils down to having as many children as the poor mother's body can handle to build their fundamentalist army. And again, this is a subject for a whole other podcast, just let me know. Suffice to say, David and Louise were indoctrinated into this madness, and Louise suffered horrible abuse at the hands of her grandfather, her mother handing her over willingly for money. Louise met David at the Princeton Church of God in the early 80s, David had graduated from college in 1984 when Louise was just a teen. They both attended the same high school, but their age difference kept them from meeting in school. You see, she was barely a teen when he was already in his 20s. And while Phyllis secretly let them date in order to escape the abuse Louise was enduring at home, and I'm assuming David was into young girls, at just 16 years old, Louise ran away to marry and be with 24-year-old David. 
The couple married in Parisburg, Virginia in 1985. The newlywed couple were often described as, quote, funny and private before they even began having children. But ever dutiful to their faith, they soon began having children. David took a job in Fort Worth, Texas. They stated that God had called on them to have as many as they could, and their first child, a daughter they named Jennifer, was born in 1988. Within the next 10 years, they would have five more children, and all names began with the letter J, Joshua, Jessica, Jonathan, Joy, Julianne. Now, Louise's youngest sister, Elizabeth, was apparently going to college in the area, and the couple told her that she could stay with them during her summer break. But she quickly realized something was very off about this couple. As it turns out, Louise let David watch her shower. Every time the door would open, Louise would be holding the bent coat hanger, and she and David would delight in Elizabeth's shyness and uncomfortable demeanor. Louise allowed David to watch her baby sister in the shower, though she states that he never acted on anything and he didn't touch her. She stated, quote, I was young. I was scared. I was in Texas where I knew nobody. I had no family, end quote. She also said her sister was very strange. She later told Dr. Phil that Louise was very distant with her parents and siblings due to the abuse that she had endured in her youth, which she understood completely, but she still picked up on the fact that her sister was not behaving at all like herself. But David made seriously good money, and they lived on his six-figure salary, him working for one of the biggest defense contractors in the country, and yet they filed for bankruptcy. Sometime in 1998, something changed. Louise and David completely withdrew from everyone. They decided to begin homeschooling their now eight children. Their reasoning was that, according to Louise's brother Billy, that the kids were being bullied and crime rates were high and they didn't really want their kids to have to endure any of that. And, you know, that makes sense. Communications were beginning to wane. The couple would Skype with family, and one sister began to notice that the children looked rather small, not malnourished, just small for their age. But Louise would explain that they were just going to be lanky or skinny like David was in his youth. But Louise could tell that the very few people she allowed to have any visual contact with the children were making comments, so she cut off all contact completely other than phone calls. But I want to stress that the couple of people that were able to visually see the children stated that they did not look like they were being abused in any way or were malnourished on any level, that they just looked small. And really David and Louise dressed their ever-growing family in matching outfits and went on rather extravagant vacations and would post the pictures of these on the internet. Family and friends saw the large family dressed so smartly at Disneyland or in Vegas every couple of years. And as most people would, they assumed the family was doing very well for themselves. And really, it's hard to think otherwise when you see the posed family pictures with everyone having big, happy smiles in these fun places. 
But that was not the reality for the Turpin children. As it turns out, the children were living under very strict rules. They had to ask permission to basically do anything, such as using the restroom or even eating. Before they were homeschooled, the children were bullied all right, but it was because one of them were sent to school day after day in the same dirty clothes. Their oldest daughter entered kindergarten two years after she should have been. If any of the kids washed their hands above the wrist, they were beaten and told they were playing in the water. As the parents became more and more unhinged, they were only allowed to bathe their shower once a year. Yes, folks, you heard that correctly. So with dirty clothes, their own bodies stinking heavily, long, greasy hair out on display, of course the other kids bullied them. So the Turpins began homeschooling. And then David's parents had finally been able to visit the family just before they moved to California and stated that the kids looked fine, not underfed, no confinement, none of that. Betty Turpin, David's mother, said, quote, They were just like any other ordinary family, and they had such good relationships. I'm not just saying this stuff. These kids, we were amazed. They were sweetie this and sweetie that to each other. End quote. In total, they produced 10 daughters and three sons between 1988 and 2015. But in 1999, as foreclosure proceedings began on their home in Texas, the family moved to Rio Vista, Texas, which is about 40 miles south of Fort Worth. There were some people that bought the house and they stated that the house was disgusting. The carpets were heavily stained and caked in some kind of dirt, and all of the walls were very stained with what they believed to be human feces. And this is when things took a more violent turn. As Louise kept giving birth, the rest of the children began to be shackled to their beds and not allowed to go to the bathroom, meaning they were forced to soil themselves and their beds where they also slept, and they were not allowed to bathe themselves. The evil pair even began to strangle and beat the children with random metal objects who were tied to their beds, where they would sometimes remain for months without being freed. The children were being starved, only being allowed one meal per day, which usually consisted of barely enough food to survive thus affecting their physical growth and mental degradation. You see, you cannot starve a child's brain of nutrients and vitamins. Malnourished children are generally very small for their age, appearing either too thin or even bloated, listless, and have compromised immune systems. It can affect the body's sense of sight, taste, and smell. Other symptoms include bruising easily, changes in skin pigmentation, thinning hair or hair loss, bones that are softer, bleeding gums, having a tongue that is swollen, shriveled, or cracked, night blindness, and sensitivity to light. These children often display high levels of anxiety, changes in mood, and other psychiatric problems. It has a toxic effect on brain chemistry. They often feel depressed, agitated, and unstable. 
Malnutrition affects serotonin levels, increasing anxiety, frustration, and intense cravings. These children will often have vitamin B6 and B12 deficiencies along with folic acid, leading to fatigue, poor attention, and altered sleep. It can even weaken the brain's neurotransmitters. There is a whole host of negative outcomes to malnutrition, including death. So these children were shackled to their beds, starved, beaten, dirty, and sitting in their own filth, and also starving with no access to any level of real education and only had themselves to socially interact with. Once the new house in Texas was completely unfit and uninhabitable, Louise had yet another baby. Also during this time, they moved into a double-wide trailer they had placed on the property, and David built a cage-like structure to help them with their disciplinary action against their own children. And if the starving, abused children still misbehaved, he would then lock them in a dog kennel. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the couple took the two youngest children and moved about 40 miles or so away, instructing the oldest children to take care of all of the rest. They had had 12 by this time. They were also instructed to keep the rules that had been set by Louise and David and keep the naughty children in the cage or the kennels or else they would be punished too. David would stop by the place every few days, it was said, to drop off frozen food for the children to eat. This lasted two to three years guys, and their mother never visited them at all during this time. It was reported that David and Louise spent an obscene amount of money on fancy things, toys and clothes, but would not allow the children to have any of it, putting it all just out of reach. They kept the children up very late at night so that they would sleep all day and things would remain quiet for possible neighbors. The oldest daughter, Jennifer, actually attempted to escape by leaving the trailer and was picked up by a neighbor and began asking about getting a job. Now, these children were rarely, if ever, allowed to even go outside, so she was completely lost when the neighbor dropped her off in town. She approached people, asking about getting a job, but was ultimately unsuccessful, so she was forced to call Louise, who came and picked her up and took her back to the trailer. So in 2010, the family moved to a bungalow in Southern California, residing about 60 miles southeast of LA. At this point, they were again hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and the next year they were forced to file for bankruptcy. The Turpins cut off basically all contact with family members and didn't allow family to interact with the children at all. In 2012, Louise even stopped her father from visiting after he had already purchased a plane ticket, and her father was at least somewhat innocent. He was the preacher. There towards the end, Louise would call one of her sisters, bragging that she was partying and sleeping with other men, and David was aware of it, that they were swingers. Soon after, she blocked Elizabeth and her other siblings on Facebook and they went two years without speaking on the phone. Louise's brother Billy and sister Teresa told 60 Minutes Australia that the abused 
became the abuser. And as if this all wasn't bad enough, it turns out that David was allegedly assaulting one of his daughters that was at the time a minor. So on July 14th, 2018, two of the daughters managed to slip out of a window, though one became frightened and went back in. The sister that continued was 17-year-old Jordan, who managed to call 911 on an old phone that had no service. But all phones, with service or not, are able to call for emergency services. Thankfully, the officer that found her took the girl seriously, and officers visited the home after seeing photos that she had taken on the old cell phone. Louise answered the door looking completely floored that the police were there. In fact, she had the audacity to look bewildered around as if there was nothing wrong with her children being shackled to their beds, nearly starved, beaten, and residing in their own filth. Also within the house were a multitude of dead animals or pets, and nearly every surface was covered in rotting trash. Jennifer, the oldest child, who was now 29 years old, weighed only 82 pounds or 27 kilos. Thankfully, David and Louise were arrested on $9 million bail each, faced charges including torture and child endangerment. After the arrest, the adult children were to go to adult-assisted living facilities and the minors were put into two separate foster homes. David's brother, Randy, reached out, stating he wanted to adopt the youngest children so that they could stay together rather than get shuffled around in the foster care system. And while that definitely sounds like an ideal situation, the problem with that is that the authorities needed to make sure that he was, of course, not aware of the situation going on in the home, which most likely he wasn't. Another issue is that he also has a very intense religious belief pattern and even wrote a book called, quote, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, which doesn't sound like 13 starved nieces and nephews need to be any part of. Now, I've not read the book, so still. Also, the church associated with his college, World Harvest Church, allegedly paid $2.9 million to a family after their child was badly bruised when a daycare worker at the church beat him with a ruler. So there's that. The grandparents were also attempting to work with social services in an attempt to connect with their grandchildren in lieu of the fact that five of the younger children that had been removed from the home went into foster care where it has been reported that they were abused there as well. It is alleged that in 2019, the foster family adopted the children while the abuse was occurring. Thankfully, the adopted family was arrested for the abuse, but really this just goes to show how very broken the system is and how horribly it has failed these children. David and Louise are equally co-conspirators and were charged accordingly. Trying to determine which parent might have sort of been the leader of this behavior toward the children tends to lean toward David due to the age difference in the beginning of their marriage 
and he was the wage earner, and between the two could have had the more commanding power over the family, and that Louise simply fell in line, but that's not proven as fact. They both were sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 25 years, though it is highly unlikely that they would ever be paroled. Some of the grown children are living independently, living in their own apartments, have jobs, and are reaching out to further their already minimal education. Many go to church and also volunteer in charity programs. But as of November 2021, it has come out that some of the children have been neglected by Riverside County Social Services and are effectively homeless and are not able to use the hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been donated to them, the money being in a trust that the court-appointed guardian stated he has no access to. In an article in Time magazine titled, The Twisted Psychology of Parents Who Torture Their Children, they stated that, quote, basic empathy and the care of offspring are among the most fundamental lines of code in the human operating system. When that gets corrupted, when the protectors become tormentors, then the nurturers become jailers. It's nearly impossible to grasp, much less explain. The darkest part of an already dark reality is that while children may be abused by all manner of people, parents are overwhelmingly the likeliest offenders. According to the National Child Abuse and Neglect Data System, 71.8% of child abuse or neglect cases occur at the hands of the victim's parents. The leading risk factors in that study were no surprise parental alcohol abuse, drug abuse, or domestic abuse. Another professor of sociology and director of the Crimes Against Children Research Center at the University of New Hampshire, David Finkelor, explained that two other possible diagnostic profiles might fit these parents, delusional or paranoid states, which can of course lead to all manner of irrational or abusive behavior. David said, quote, a misguided ideology might be another factor. Parents may tell themselves they're protecting their children from the corruption of an awful society or that children are evil and need to be chastised or brought into line, end quote. Trauma psychologist Priscilla Das Brailsford of Georgetown University said, quote, in my experience, there is usually a psychopathology in the parents they're depressed, perhaps. They're bipolar. They're schizophrenic. Some of the parents themselves might have been abused as children, though I say that warily because it's not an excuse to abuse your own children. But this doesn't necessarily apply to the Turpins because there didn't seem to be any alcohol abuse or drug abuse, and the abuse that they did dole out to their children was not categorically violent. It was more tormentive, patient, and sadistic. They only allowed their children to bathe or shower once a year. They would starve the children while simultaneously eating decadent pies in front of them or leaving them just barely out of reach. So again, the typical drugs, alcohol, uncontrolled anger does not explain their level of slow, deliberate cruelty. So tell me, friends, 
what was it then? What do you guys think of this case? Please leave me a comment below if you're watching or all of my contact information is in the notes or the description below. You can follow me on Instagram at serial underscore killing. And as always, thank you so, so much for watching and your patience while I was sick. I hope I didn't sound too breathy during this, but I appreciate you guys because I know you could be listening to anyone else and yet you chose me and I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have a great day.